the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome back, ladies, and welcome back. In my mind, I never left the program, but no, welcome to the program. Welcome. This is Gino Geraci. You're listening to Crosswalk. This, of course, the program with you in mind, where we try to ask and answer the questions that you care the most about. Questions about God and the historical Jesus, questions about the Bible, questions about worldviews and world religions. And um, one of the interesting things that I just got in the news, so for the past several days, there has been repeated warnings from this administration uh, on a couple of things that um, Iran is getting very, very close to having nuclear capability. The other thing that um, that has been repeatedly said over and over again since February 7th, that there's a distinct, or the, the, at least they're characterizing it this way, there's a very distinct possibility that Russia will attack Ukraine at any time now. They said that on the 7th, the 8th, the 9th, the 10th, and now the 11th. And so, again, as you can imagine, this is creating several types of concern and anxiety all around the world. So one of the things that I find very, very interesting is what this all means. Now, again, you may not think that a Russian invasion of of the Ukraine will have very much effect on you. But one of the things that I've been trying to do is organize a trip to Israel, which I've had to postpone four times, and I'm literally trying to renegotiate because I love, love taking trips to Israel. I love, love uh, leading tours to Israel. But one of the things that um, many people don't understand is that if Russia invades Ukraine, it's going to have a profound effect on the people in the Middle East. And even though if you go from Jerusalem to Kiev, or as they say in the West, Kiev, Kiev is the, one of the major cities, obviously, in Ukraine. And um, what you may not know is that Ukraine has been one of the main grain suppliers in the Middle East for over a decade, including Israel. And that deliveries from Ukraine account for about 50% of the Israeli consumption of grain and cereals. Now, again, to, to, to literally, the, the way that the Israeli government would characterize this, imagine you have a loaf of bread and you just break it in half. Or imagine your child's sandwich and now you only have half of a sandwich. Um, the other thing is that a very large portion of the consumption of corn and corn products in Israel 
is provided by uh, supplies from the Ukraine. Israel imports more than $200 million worth of Ukrainian corn annually. And so without Ukraine, Israel is going to suffer a profound, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you know, you talk about supply chain issues. Their grain supplies are going to be significantly reduced. 303-873-1935, that's the number if you want to join me on the program. 303-873-1935. Israel also imports from Ukraine vast quantities of barley, rapeseeds, soybeans, as well as a thing called agro-processing waste, molasses, beer, vodka production waste, and alfalfa in bales. Now, so they'll use this byproduct to, again, feed livestock. So the way to think about this, Ukraine supplies Israel with a significant share of feed for cows and calves and chickens and turkeys. They have, they have fish hatcheries, if you will, and horses. So the total volume, volume of Ukraine's agricultural exports to Israel is almost half a billion dollars. So the Israeli food industry, animal husbandry industry, dairy farming, there is close ties with the supplies coming from the Ukraine. Now, again, it's come to my attention that this isn't just simply true of Israel. It's also true to their neighbor to the north, Lebanon, which gets half, literally 50% of all of its grain from the Ukraine. And so you can imagine if for whatever reason a hot war literally erupts, In Ukraine, and and let's just, I'm I'm hoping, obviously everybody's hoping that this isn't going to happen, that the repeated warnings from our government is false. But if it is true, if in the next 24 hours, if in the next 48 hours, literally Ukraine and Russia engage with one another, then again there's that question, well, what's going to happen, how long is it going to last, and what does that mean for the rest of the world? And so that's part of what probably isn't talked about on other uh, television outlets or, or TV outlets or, excuse me, other radio outlets. 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. That's my number if you'd like to join me on the program. So uh, think about it. Ukraine is sort of Ukraine. The Ukraine is the breadbasket of that particular part of the world. And um, they provide about 25%, close to 25% of grain supplies for Egypt, 50% for Lebanon. And again, the southern and the northern neighbors. So so, so th think about this for just a moment. All of a sudden, food insecurity begins to take place in Egypt. Food insecurity begins to take place in Israel and also in Lebanon. What is, is that going to, to mean? 
And again, when you're talking about food shortages, how profound are they going to be? Will it even lead to famine? Is it going to generate more civil unrest? And so obviously, so I'm I'm trying to think of this from, from Israel's standpoint. From Israel's standpoint, if Egypt and Lebanon and Syria and even Jordan, if people get hungry, does that mean that it's going to destabilize other parts of the region? And you may or may not know that Ukraine has, by many standards, the most fertile land in the world. They have the what's called the famous black soil. And over the past decade, it's become a major global player in the whole in the food market. According to the United States Department of Agriculture forecast, Ukraine in 2022 was going to provide, listen carefully, 12% of the world's wheat export. You probably didn't know that. 12% of the world wheat export comes from Ukraine. 16% of the world export of corn. 18% of the world's export for barley. 19% of the world of, of uh, rapeseed. Now, speaking of rapeseed, it's canola oil, diesel fuel additives, and animal feed additives um, that that are used for linoleum products. So if the military uh, forcibly kicks out Ukraine, this is could be a, a staggering consequence. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I've been talking a little bit about Russia and Ukraine and what that means, at least in the short term. Um, and... One of the things, um, you know, obviously, does the Bible say anything about Russia in relationship to the end times, which we've talked a lot about? And the answer is, of course, yes. And I'm happy to to talk about that. One of the things that is not frequently talked about is what will be the global um, consequences if Russia invades Ukraine and nobody does anything. I mean, in the sense of there is no real response from Europe. There's no response from the United States. And so one of a couple of things uh, could happen. It could mean that Russia quite easily takes over Ukraine, or it could be with great difficulty if if the Ukrainian people rise up and, and – um, make a conscientious effort and resist the occupation. And so I've talked a little bit about that Ukraine provides much of the grain supplies, not just for the, you know, for the immediate area, but for many parts of the world. Two thirds of Ukraine's agricultural products are grown in the Eastern and Southern parts of, uh, of the country. Do you know what? That's precisely those regions where, where Russia has surrounded them. And the main ports from which the Ukrainian exports go to Israel and the Middle East are in Odessa and Maripol, identified by the United States intelligence as potential targets for Russian invasion. <clears throat> so if they close the ports, well... 
it's going to halt the export of agricultural and metallurgical products. And by metallurgical, I mean everything that's made out of steel, and that's a whole other story. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Brian, welcome to the program. Hi, Brian. So is there a Brian close by? Hey, Jim, did we fix our our um, our technical difficulty? So he's not there. I can't hear a word. So, unfortunately, um, yeah, if, if you can get him back on, I'm happy to take his call. So it looks like we're having just a little bit of technical difficulties with the calls, but I'm going to still encourage you to call till we can figure out what's going on. It's 303-873-1935. Yeah, Jim, let me know if, if we got him or, you know, why I can't hear him or whatever. But we were talking a little bit about Ukraine and what happens if Russia invades and where will they invade? Will they block the seaports? Um, and about, again, their metal production. Now, the, the reason why I bring this up, well, again, we're talking about Israel's situation. Israel imports from Ukraine what's called hot rolled steel, steel bars, uh, ferro alloys, pipes, billets, metal structures. They also import timber, plywood, and wood-based panels to the tune of about $120 million. Now, why is all of that important? Because those materials are essential for the construction industry, for ports. Um. Oh, okay. So producer Jim is letting me know that maybe he's gone. Maybe we just had a bad connection. If you want to try to call back, 303-873-1935. So, again, we're talking about grain. We're talking about things that are necessary for the construction industry. Um, one person who was the head of the Ukraine-Israel Business Council told people, uh, that it's going to be extremely difficult if these supplies are cut off to the Middle East. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Andrea, welcome to the program. Thanks very much. You know, can you hear me? I can, You, but continue to use that great big voice of yours. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, I've been listening just for about the past 10 minutes. Yeah, I was and talking about... Things, Go ahead. Well, two things come to mind in terms of the potential for food insecurity uh-huh. in Ukraine, uh, excuse me, or the surrounding uh, countries. Correct. Um, and, you know, I have no doubt that in the face of significant food insecurity, there would be um, humanitarian aid provided by other countries like the United States and, and countries in Europe, et cetera. Um, you would hope so. You a, would hope so. I, I would hope so, and I, I feel confident that there would be those resources available. My um, the, the thought that comes to mind, though, for me is, um, you know, if and or when the, the conflict between Russia and the Ukraine would cease, 
um, the farmers uh, would need to be able to go back to doing what they had been doing for their own livelihoods. And so we need to always consider that humanitarian aid is a short-term or should be a short-term solution um, and really work to rebuild the country of Ukraine uh, so that its citizens can return to the livelihoods they once had um, in order to continue producing the grains and corn and things that you initially talked about. Right. And I I, I think, like I said, most people don't. I shouldn't say most people. Maybe I don't know. But it, it's just come to my attention that if you ask the average American, well, tell me what you know about Ukraine. Who are they? What do they do? What do they provide for the world? What will happen if there's a hot war there? Um, and so, yeah, food, food, you, you talk about the already difficult situations we have with supply chain. Um, and I, I, and food is at the top of the list, but construction is the next thing on the list. And so if the Ukrainian metal production market collapses, if, if you know, you talked about, um, you know, finding support from non-government agencies or other, you know, the European Union and all of that, you know, hopefully providing some sort of support. But I suspect that there's going to be a growing problem with global food shortages. And so all of this are part of the consequences. So when we talk about, hey, will they or won't they, you know, imagine you're watching Fox News or whatever news outlet you listen to, and then all of a sudden it happens. And I think we're on the verge of of a biblical seven years of hunger. That you know, we were already facing some issues with the pandemic. Now imagine we continue to face uh, problems with ever increasing food shortages. And I haven't even talked about the refugees um, who may be fleeing Ukraine in the face of this hot war. If it if it if it uh, unfolds, isn't that interesting? And I, yes, and I I think you're right. Just your the ten minutes that I was able to listen prior to calling in was eye opening to me. Um, and you know, global conflicts oftentimes have very devastating consequences to far-reaching places. Um, And so I think we need to be prayerful. I think we need to be mindful of um, paying close attention to the news and where we get the news. Uh, I personally don't listen to Fox News, um, but rely on other, uh, other news sources. Well, thank you for listening to me, and I'm hoping it's interesting to you. It's so very interesting, and if I if I can, I did have one other question. Well, you hold on, okay? You hold on because we're coming up on a break. If you don't mind holding or calling back, we can get to you. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The number 303-873-1935. We were talking with Andrea, and I know that you had another question before uh, we go. Yes, that's right. You know, I was wondering if you could give um, any insight into 
traveling to Israel in particular in light of this conflict, um, as I know myself personally, we're considering going on a tour this fall. Well, you know, and I love, love, love Israel, and I love, love, love leading tours, and I love, you know, I've been there so many times. Let me tell you my quick uh, assessment. The first assessment is if, in fact, um, Russia invades uh, Ukraine, it's going to it's going to put more pressure on Israel, and it's going to make it a little bit more difficult to tour. the The second thing that I'm going to suggest to you is that it's starting to open up. I have several friends who um, went to Israel this this month. Their plan. I have other friends who are planning on going. Like literally, I, I was scheduled to go in March, but it it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to go. I have friends who are scheduled to go in May. Now, one of the things that have come back over the last couple of days is that if a person tests positive for COVID, they have to stay in a hotel. And when it comes time when the tour is over, if the quarantine period hasn't um, finished, they have to stay there. In other words, getting into Israel might become easier and easier, but getting out might become a major challenge. So so it's been my, my uh, from the sources that I've talked with in, in the Israeli uh, tourism industry, that at least one person from every group with the, you know, with the exception of maybe a couple of groups, at least one person in their group tested positive and had to stay behind. And, you know, imagine how frustrating that is. Um, if you're that person. Until they have come to the end of their quarantine. Well, several of them came to the end of the quarantine, but by that time the tour was over. Ah, uh, yes, that would be very tragic. I think they're, you know, everyone's trying to balance keeping others safe amidst, you know, a global pandemic. Exactly. Um, so, so yeah, we've got those those challenges, and um, so I'm hoping and praying um, for the best, and I hope you get to go because it quite literally is a life-changing experience. I sure hope so, Gino, and I'm really thankful you took my call. Thanks <laughs> again, and and you, uh, God bless you. Hey, you are welcome. 303-873-1935. That's the number. You know, one of the things I was talking about is if Russia invades the Ukraine, what will that mean? Well, it's going to have a little bit of a, not a little bit of effect. I'm going to suggest to you it's going to have a profound effect on Israel and Israel's neighbors because Ukraine is one of the main grain suppliers and has been one of the main grain suppliers for over a decade, both in Egypt, Israel, Lebanon, and like I said, Israel imports large volumes of corn and barley and soybeans. Also, they're dependent on Ukraine for metal goods, um, infrastructure projects. And the other thing that I would suggest to you is this, you know, Israel's a high-tech 
part of their economy, remember, they've suffered a huge loss because of the tourism industry, but a lot of their industry is geared towards high-tech. Well, what you may not know is that um, Israel relies on on qualified specialists to, to provide outsourcing and support, and guess where it often comes from? Ukraine. Uh, 303-873-1935. Brian, welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, you're um, welcome. You know, I was chatting with, uh, well, I was listening to Black Conservative, Black Conservative Patriot BCP on YouTube, and uh, he's a guy that talks about our issues, and then he talks about issues they won't let him talk about on YouTube uh, at BCP Media, uh, I think bcpmedia.com, whatever. But the guy's uh, a business owner. He's a Latino black man. He's moving to Florida, and he was talking about um, Russia playing, you know, they're playing chess. You know the Muslims invented the chess game. So, uh, and this is what they're doing. You know it's strategic. 40% of the ammonia nitrate that's used to grow our vegetables is coming out of Russia. They played this game by, and you know, it's not just hyperbole. I don't think so at all. I think it's just hypothesis at all that Obama is orchestrating this with the Middle Easterners that want world rule, world, world power. So, and I was thinking, brother, about the book of Revelation, how it prophesies about these different things that would be. I think we still have the opportunity as believers to make our voices heard. And it, we don't have to be afraid to speak up right now because because you still have the Constitution, you still have the laws that are there, and there are people that would show more backbone if, if we would, you know, we have to be courageous. I appreciate you yeah. mentioning this on the radio. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that most outlets aren't going to be talking about what are the consequences. Now, again, I'm not making a statement that we should intervene or that we should send troops or that we should participate in a hot war. No. That's not no. what I'm saying. What I no. am saying is if Russia invades Ukraine with no um, prohibitions or restrictions, this is part of what's going to happen. Well, they wouldn't even have tried. They didn't try this with Donald in office, President Trump, because he had he was making sure we had proper things in place and people respected us at the time. They feared us. And this is why they made their move. And they used people that have cowardice as their motto. I, I wish they didn't. I wish well, they were men of integrity, but and and this I'll, is the civilization. Yeah, this is the civilizational challenge right now. In my yeah. in my view, it's about a Christian worldview versus a secular humanistic. I'm, I'm even going to use the term a philosophically humanistic uh, idea that you know the world is better off without God. And um, at least from a Muslim standpoint, mu Muslims aren't going to go quietly into the night to just abandon uh, 
Islam. Now, again, I'm not, this is not advocating for Islam. I'm just saying that there's a civilizational divide between yes. between people who act that where religion and religious freedom are an important part of their life. And as you can imagine, for those people who say it means nothing to me, and there's a you, you, and so that's part of the challenge. You know, is 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 freedom a thought? And freedom is it is freedom really worth fighting for? And so, absolutely. Here we go. Hey, thanks for your call. I've got, I've got a hard break so coming up, but as always, thanks for joining me. Hey, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. I talked about also the the fact that Israel Tech relies on Ukrainian programmers fulfilling orders from Israeli companies. Israeli startups are connected by a kind of a technological umbilical cord with Ukrainian subcontractors. Um, exactly in those areas where the military maps forecast as the most likely targets of Russian military strikes. And so Israeli companies are already trying to figure out what what are we going to do if we have to abandon our partnership. This is Gino Geraci. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program, the number 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Um, Dave, welcome to the program. Thank you, Gino. Hey, How are welcome. you this afternoon? You know, um, obviously all eyes are on Ukraine. And, uh, you know, right. I, I know that the government has been saying since the 7th, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And um, it's interesting to me that one of the CBN um, journalists literally got there this afternoon, right when the president said, get out. And if you don't get out, we're not going to help you get out, which is crazy to me. But how can I help you? Well, I am uh, new to the Bible. Uh-huh. Um, I've, I've decided to uh, read it in a year. Good for you. And I just, yeah, I just started in January. I literally decided, you know, January 1, and, and there's, there's, a, there's, there's a, a program that you can, that, that you read by for, for the year. But my question is in the book of Joshua. Okay. And, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm driving home from work, and I don't have it, ri- you know, I don't have my Bible with me right at the no moment. No problem. Give me but, a clue about the passage. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Joshua is... Um, approached by a figure, and Joshua falls to his knees and puts his face in the dirt, but it never says who that person is. He says it's a—the I mean, it, the book, it, it explains that I, I think it's a warrior, because he, he, he approaches Joshua with his sword drawn, and I was just confused on who that person was. Yeah, I think what you're making reference to is the commander of the army of the Lord in Joshua chapter 5, maybe. Okay, I'll, I, I, I believe so. I think so, it's chapter 5, yeah. Yeah, so if that's the case, there's if memory serves me correctly, uh, the commander appears to Joshua near Jericho, right before yeah. this the, the incredible battle. And so the, the, the person has a sword, and... 
and uh, appears to Joshua, and we're told, you know, uh, that Joshua falls on his face. Right. And then Joshua uses the Hebrew term to call him master or Lord. Um, And that's why I was confused. Well, so so Joshua, the man tells Joshua, "Take off your sandals." The place where you're standing is holy. Now, based mm-hmm. on just that information from Joshua chapter 5, there's two possible identities for this person. First, okay. the commander could be an example of, of what's called a theophany. A theophany is this visible appearance of God himself. And supporting that fact is, again, Joshua's ordered. First of all, Joshua knows whoever this person is, I have no chance against him. And when 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 the sandals come off, that's exactly what happens to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus right. chapter 3, as you were yep. reading earlier. Yes. The other possibility is that this being is what's called the angel of the Lord. Now, okay. again, if it's a theophany, it's a it's a pre um a pre incarnate visit by God where God is instructing him if it's an angel then this means it's the messenger of the Lord and this theory has the being identifying himself as the commander of the Lord's army in in, in how I read it it said the commander in chief right and so not the Lord himself so right. in that view, Joshua's bowing is an act of reverence rather than worship. Okay. So in my own view, in my own view, it, it, it probably isn't an angel. It's probably the Lord. In other words, even though he's the, he's the commander of the Lord's army, I suspect right. that it's Jesus. So those who okay. fav- so the those who favor the view that Joshua meets an angel. They say, well, no one has seen God at any time and lives. I get that. Those who favor that Joshua meets what's called a pre-incarnate appearance. Some people call this a Christophany. So whether the commander of the Lord's army is, is God himself in some sort of literal manifestation, or if it's an angelic being, um, obviously God is communicating something (laughs) to prepare him for the upcoming battle. So yeah, it's supernatural. It's a, it's a supernatural being and and it's only your two options are it's God himself who manifests himself like he did to Moses, or Mm -hmm. it is an angelic being who shows up just like later you know, you'll you'll have things like angelic beings showing up for Daniel and for right. other groups of people throughout the revelation of the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? It's so so fascinating. I am I am just completely gripped, and I'm I'm at the beginning, and I am just <laughs> completely gripped by it. Gino, thank you so very much. I was so confused on who this person was, and I'll tell you, I've, I'm a new listener of about six months, and you have taught me so very much. Thank you so You're, very much. Well, stay in the Bible, keep Absolutely. reading, yes. and I wish I could say, 
pretty soon you'll know everything about everything. <laughs> I've been doing this a long, long time, and you've probably heard me say, look, you can ask me anything. That doesn't mean I, I know the answer. Right. But I yes. have, I've obviously been studying, teaching, preaching the Bible. Can you believe it? Coming up on yeah. 50 years. Wow. Well, you are a wealth of knowledge, and I am grateful for you. <laughs> hey, thank you for your call. Bye-bye. 303-873-1935. Can you believe it? 50 years. 303-873-1935. And um, again, as I've been considering some of the things that are going on, even if we digress for a moment, as Jim knows, this is not a sports program. But I plan on watching the Super Bowl on Sunday. And uh, many of you know that the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams are going to be playing in Super Bowl 56. And um, kickoff time, 6.30 Eastern. So hopefully, prayerfully, I'll be able to get out of church and get home in time. Um the Bengals are the American Football Conference champions with a 10-7 and 7 record, and the Rams are the NFC or the National Football Conference with a record of 12-5. and 5. But one of the interesting things is that both teams, both teams have individuals who are outspoken Christians, people who have out, who, who have, who, who make no bones that they're, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christians. And one of those is a rookie kicker for the Bengals named Evan McPherson. And Evan McPherson broke records by becoming the first place kicker in the NFL to make 12 postseason field goals without a single miss. He's also the first rookie uh, field goal kicker to make 12 postseason field goals. And he made a 52-yard field goal uh, in their win against the Tennessee Titans in January. And McPherson was seen wearing a black T-shirt that just simply read, God is good. And then he took to his Instagram account to echo that sentiment, uh, captioning a photo of himself pointing up on the football field saying, God is good. And Psalm 34.8, and of course... <laughs> Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And then after the team took home the AFC championship, he again took to his Instagram account writing to God be the glory. And so um, following his selection on the draft, you know, he kept saying for him, for him, for him. So, yeah. There's some Christians out there. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.